Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Man. Well, I'll bait and switch because uh, Matthew's been here four years as of, what, Friday? Two days ago. He's been here four years. And uh, we searched for a youth pastor for two years. Searched and prayed and searched and prayed. Extended offers and were denied. They don't like you people. I don't know. Um, and he was a guy that one night at like one o'clock in the morning after a, a long shift at family video managing two stores looked on the job board and s- saw this city called he didn't know how to name it uh, or say it uh, but it's Wapakoneta and that we were looking for a full-time youth pastor and uh, he's here it's been four years and he's this is this is your longest in December it'll be his longest time at a church um, and uh, this is the longest time that I've ever been employed in one place. So, wow. <laughs> Y'all are nuts. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? Yeah, seriously. I, it, it, it's definitely the Lord. It has really little to do with he and I and everything with the Lord and with you. Um, so, as he said, um, pastors only work an hour and a half a week. <coughs> And that's on Sunday. Um, and and he, he said that we, we have to pivot sometimes. We have to fill gaps. And, and today, uh, I was not supposed to be standing here. Um, Paul Jetter, who was my wife's uh, previous boss at the Valley, uh, who's the, the regional coordinator for Cuba for the Church of the Nazarene, um, he was supposed to be standing here today. Um, but I, I received a call from Paul Jetter uh, about 9.30 on Thursday evening. Um, right heading right into my day off and he said I'm really sorry but I don't know what to do and his sister was sick he was supposed to bring his mom who's 102 years old up and she lives with his sister and so he said I really don't know what to do I said bro it's fine you're okay Um, you be with family that's that's one of our values here isn't it we practice family Uh, be with your family we'll take care of it we'll figure it out we'll figure it out we pivot right uh, when things don't go the way we plan, we pivot. We're going to talk about that adventure um, starting next week. Uh, so, um, but I firmly believe that you were here on purpose. And this, uh, my presence up here today was on purpose. And the message is on purpose. Um, God has intention for you. And my prayer has been that today, this moment is a defining moment for you. It's a defining moment for us. And it's a defining moment for the people in your lives that you know or that you may not know. Some of you might actually have been dragged in here from a friend. Yes. Yes. Today's your day. Today's your moment. Today's your moment. Um, It's a moment where heaven and earth will collide. And I really hope and pray that that happens that it's not my wise and persuasive words, but it's the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and his power that our faith rests on, right? And so uh, let's, let's just dive in. Uh, these scriptures are the scriptures that we're going to use today. Uh, Luke 18, um, Matthew chapter 9, Mark 2, and, and Luke 5. The last three scriptures, set of scriptures, are all the same story. And I, I've put some of those up on the screen for us. Um, as we read... The Gospels, they're the narrative of Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection, and partially his, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. As we read the Gospels and see Jesus' interactions with people, 
it's very hard to not notice something about Jesus and something about people. It's the fact that Jesus gravitates towards the people that are nothing like him. That Jesus actually spends more time with those that are not the religious people, the godly people, the pious people. And actually, he spends more time with people that are, I don't know, outsiders, the marginalized, those that have been pushed outside of society or felt like they've been pushed out from society. He actually gravitates towards people that are nothing like him. And people nothing like him gravitate towards him because he genuinely loves them and he genuinely likes them. And they, he has a gravity that pulls them in. But there's something that stands out in the Gospels as well that's kind of, it's difficult to swallow. It's hard to, I don't know. It's just really hard to swallow because I feel like sometimes the trend that emerges in the Gospels is a trend that isn't, is, is not only ancient, but is modern. It's the fact that people who think that they're more like Jesus and are following Jesus insulate themselves from the people who Jesus wants to be with. The lost, the forgotten, the marginalized, the ostracized, anyone that the world has left over and passed by. There's a story in, in Luke chapter 18. It's up on the screen for you. This is towards the end of Jesus' ministry, and we see this happening. He's approaching Jericho before he goes into Jerusalem. And as he approaches Jericho, there's a blind man sitting on the side of the road begging. That's how he's making his living. And if you know anything about the Gospels, those that are outside of the city begging, it's because they can't go into the city. The culture has pushed them out. And so he hears this thing going on, this shuffling of movement, this sound, and he's curious. And the scripture says when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. Now I just want to let you in on a secret here. This is a moment where a blind man, he can't see anything, but I guarantee you he's seeing more than those who have two eyes and those who have one eye. He's seeing more than those that are following Jesus. And so what does he do? He cries out, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He recognizes something about Jesus that a lot of people weren't recognizing. He was recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah. He said, Jesus, son of David. That's this messianic term. That's the term that says, man, this is a guy that was to come. to redeem Israel and in fact he was to come to redeem humanity when he called out now here it is this is that trend it's an unfortunate trend when he cried out those who led the way who led the way with Jesus they were following him they were crowding around him they rebuked the man they rebuked the blind man told him to be quiet folks there is the unfortunate trend in the church. It's not new to you and it's not new to me. But the unfortunate trend in the church, the body of Christ, is that we insulate ourselves from the world that we are to be in, from the world that we are to be light and salt, to be like the kingdom yeast, infiltrating, influencing, making a difference for the kingdom of God. And here we see that picture. They rebuked the man, told him to shut up. Ooh. But I love the man's response. 
but he shouted all the more. Folks, there is a world that is hungry for Jesus. We've gone through hell in the last two years. And a lot of people think the church is irrelevant and that it doesn't matter anymore. They believe the church has quit meeting together. They're just getting it online. I can tell you what, the church is relevant. And so is the message. And we're not giving up on meeting together because there's purpose for the church. There's purpose for you, not just to come in on Sunday. Jesus didn't die so that you can come in and sit in a pew. He died that you can have meaning and intention in your life. You can receive his life and be alive. He shouted all the more. And when he shouted all the more, Son of David, Messiah, the Christ, have mercy on me. You know what happened? Jesus stopped. He stopped what he was doing. He stopped in his track, and he ordered the man to be brought to him. Now, I always wondered, why in the world did Jesus order the man to come to him, to be brought to him, rather than Jesus go to him? Because Jesus is supposed to meet us where we are, is he not? Right, he does. But he knew the problem. He knew the problem of the people that were following him that were basking in his glory, loving his teaching, watching him do miracles, feeding their stomachs. He knew the problem because they were insulating others from him. So he wanted the same people who were insulating themselves from the world and insulating the world from him to bring the man that they've been isolating to him actively, Engage with the man. Why? Because God's priority is to redirect every individual's eternity. That would be yours as well. God's priority is to redirect your eternity. God desires to connect the disconnected to him, to the creator. And what does Jesus do? When he meets this man face to face, eye to eye, he says, what do you want me to do for you? People are hungry, man. People are hungry. They want him. They want the Lord. They want their creator, their creator God. And the man said, I want to see. I want to see. Now, I'm really curious if Jesus thought, dude, you're seeing more than you ever thought you would. But Jesus says, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight. Immediately, in that moment. And then he just started praising Jesus. And the moments to follow, he goes through Jericho. This isn't on your screen, but he goes through Jericho. And who else does he find? The first incident that this man sees with Jesus is again the religious people isolating and insulating. They're insulating themselves from the world and they're isolating the world from Jesus. The very people that gravitate toward Jesus and that Jesus is here to gravitate towards. Because the next story is Zacchaeus, that chief tax collector. Climbs a tree because he's curious. He wants to see this Jesus that everybody's been talking about. And the blind man sees this moment for the very first time. This is the first thing he sees. He sees Jesus call the chief tax collector out of the tree and says, man, I'm going to come to your house today. Woo! Connect the disconnected so that the disconnected can be reconnected to their creator, God, whom they were made in the image of God. Folks, the church, you, your life if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to ask, we've got to ask, are we isolating or are we insulating ourselves from the world and are we isolating the world from Jesus? Jesus should not be the best kept, known, uh, best kept secret. Our personal relationship with Jesus Christ is, is a public relationship with Jesus Christ. If he's transformed you, congratulations. You asked for it. You're sent. And so, 
we as God's people, the already connected, are to connect those that are disconnected to him. That is why we exist. That is why we're here. We're about the kingdom business, the eternal business, not the temporary business of the world. We no longer should be isolating or insulating and isolating the world. People who were nothing like Jesus gravitated towards Jesus. If you get the, if you can remember the story of Jesus on the cross, maybe it's new for you. I don't know. When Jesus is on the cross and he's hanging there by the nails that were driven into his his wrists and his his feet, he's actually crucified between two thieves. People nothing like him. And he was doing that for people nothing like him because he loved them. His whole life gravitated towards people that the world did not want outside the city. That redemptive reach is for all of humanity. See, Matthew, not this guy, but the disciple. He tells his story in his book. Mind you, it's named Matthew. It's really creative, right? He tells the story of meeting Jesus for the very first time. Granted, Matthew probably heard a lot about Jesus because Matthew, his jobby job was right on the interstate of, of commerce and activity. It was in Capernaum. He, he was a tax collector. And in your tax collecting booth, you meet a lot of people and you see a lot of things. It was up in Capernaum, north, northern part of, 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 of Palestine, near the Sea of Galilee, probably not far from where Peter lived. And this tax collector was doing his job at his tax collecting booth. And so just some information, he was a public extortionist. That's what he did. He was Jewish, and he publicly robbed his own people to make a living because he was in bed with Rome. He was in bed with Rome because he collected taxes that went to Rome. And for him, the way he made a living was to get more money out of the Jewish people so that he could have money. And really what that did was it, it isolated him from, from the rest of society. The only people that he commiserated with was tax collectors, sinners, and others. Those others would range from prostitutes to the destitute. It almost reminded me a little bit of Al Capone and Johnny Torrio and that, that group of, of, of men who were of the mob in the 20s. They only commiserated with themselves because nobody else wanted to, right? They feared him. That was Matthew. That was Levi. And so the story goes, it's up on your screen. I combined all three stories, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because I think it's really important that we, we see these together because there's some information that, man, I'd never seen before, separate. But now I see it together. I'd always thought this was an isolated moment for Matthew and Jesus, that Jesus went up to this tax collector booth on his own but see Mark shares it says once again Jesus went out beside the lake a large crowd came to him there's a huge crowd huge crowd those that were following Jesus those who were curious about Jesus those who had heard what he had done what he had done already and he began to teach them and as he walked along, along he saw Levi son of Alphaeus that's Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth See, this was a moment where Matthew's always experienced judgment because he betrayed his country. He was not patriotic. Ooh. He was not a nationalist. Ooh. 
No. He forsook his heritage and he forsook his, his, his opportunities to go to the temple and be like one of the, the people so that he can make the dollar. And every time a Jewish individual would come and get the dollar, give the dollar to him and he would get the dollar, it was not a fun act. And he experienced a lot of hatred and disgust. He was considered, quote-unquote, unclean. But see, Jesus goes to Matthew's tax collector booth with the people that probably were really disgusted with him and with some of the disciples. And he has this conversation. And all Matthew sees is grace and mercy and love and caring and compassion and belonging because Jesus didn't say anything of judgment and ridicule and criticism. No, Jesus said, follow me. Come here after me. A rabbi, a teacher of the religious sect says, I have come to connect you to whom you should be connected to, your creator. Oh, what a moment. Matthew, has, who has been disconnected to most of society, who's been left out and marginalized and ostracized and hated, has now been called in. An outsider has now been called in to something even greater than what society offers, something greater than what the world offers. He's been called into a kingdom. He's been called into meaning. He's been called into purpose and intention. He's been called into life all that which he's been outside of for as long as he can remember. Levi, Matthew, got up, collected his things, and he followed him. For the first time in a long time, Matthew is now connected and reconnected to his creator. Matthew, nothing like Jesus. Nothing like the godly. Nothing like the religious elite. Matthew, nothing like those that have been following Jesus now with Jesus he's connected and you know what he does he's so overwhelmed he's so overwhelmed by this receiving this love and this grace this accepting this belonging to something that I guarantee you Matthew himself was longing for it because we're all created for that. We're all created with this longing for our creator, our creator God. He threw a banquet and Luke says a great banquet. Matthew and Mark, it's a dinner, but it's like, let's have a party. Let's celebrate one of our values it's one of our practices we celebrate because God is a God of celebration he throws a banquet and you know who he invites he invites his friends he invites the people that are like him because those are the people that he's hung out with those are the people who would only receive him he invites tax collectors those that have been ostracized, marginalized by choice of their profession. Sinners, you can put a whole lot of people in that category. But again, it's the riffraff. It's the ragamuffin. It's the destitute, the prostitute, the drunkard, you name it. And others, those he hung out with, those his profession would hang out with. I just, if you've been invited to church, if you were sitting here today because someone said, I really would love for you to come to church with me. 
I just want you to know that that is a blessing and that is an honor on both parts because see Matthew saw it as an honor to have his friends meet this guy this rabbi who was nothing like him who accepted him and received him that's why you've been invited because there's something about Jesus and you're not going to find him necessarily on your own we get invited to him we get brought to him he's there working in your life but man there has to be an invitation and a greeting guess what that's what the church's missions is and the disconnected are now sitting with their creator whom they were made in the image of God Yeah, I know. We embrace the awkward around here. You'll hear it over the recording, I'm sure. And Jesus started eating with him. I'm sure this was, this was a very awkward moment for all involved. You have disciples who were fishermen, and we have an insurrectionist in Simon the Zealot who did not want anything to do with people who uh, were not nationalists or patriotic. In fact, he went after them and sought to kill them. That's what Simon the Zealot did. He was part of that faction, part of that party. And now we have Matthew who would have been his target. And now the disciples and Jesus are all in this house having a great banquet. And I'm sure there were a whole lot of like moments of what do I do here? I don't know how to act. I don't know what to do. What do we say? How do you say it? And all eyes are on Jesus. He's the one navigating this awkward moment but it's not awkward for him because he loves everybody in the room and he says man this is the kingdom of God right here this is the kingdom of God this is the way it should be right so Matthew disconnected now connected and reconnected to his creator and if you look at his story in the book of Matthew if you open up the scriptures and you see in chapter 9 Matthew tells his story after two pivotal stories. Just notice this. Two pivotal stories. The first story is about a demon-possessed man. And the disciples and Jesus go across the lake to a place where Jewish people are not supposed to go because this is an unclean territory. And they meet a man who has been living among the tombs, and he's naked. He's naked. He's out of his mind. He's naked. All of the town has placed him here. They've even, in fact, tried to chain him here, but he broke the chains. He was disconnected. He was disconnected from, not from society, but from his creator. And when Jesus and his disciples landed on shore and hit shore, the man came and landed right at his feet. And we have a moment where this man who was disconnected got reconnected, got connected to his creator because Jesus cast out the demons. The next story, they come back over the lake and Jesus is is teaching, probably in Peter's house. And there's this massive crowd. Again, a crowd who's insulating themselves and isolating others outside. Because as Jesus is teaching in Peter's home, there's a crew of guys who are carrying their friend on a mat. He's he's paralyzed. He can't walk. And they can't get through the front door. They can't get connected. So what do they do? They go up on the roof. They carry him up on the roof. And they start digging through the roof. There's a breakthrough in the roof and light just starts coming through into that dark room. Dust and debris falling and guess what? There's a man that's being lowered right down before Jesus. He's no longer insulated or he's no longer isolated because those around Jesus were insulating him and isolating him from Jesus. No, he's right at Jesus' feet. 
the disconnected got connected. And his sins were forgiven. And then Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. And he literally walked through the same crowd he couldn't get through to begin with. For Matthew, it was very clear. There's two types of people. There's disconnected from their creator and there's connected to their creator. And those that are connected with their creator, God, the Lord Almighty, they're to connect those that are disconnected. That is what we are here for. That is why we are the church. What is true about Jesus personally must be true about you and me as the church. We are to connect the disconnected and bring them to the Lord. We're not designed to isolate and say, this is for me. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You are light of the world. Go into the darkness and pierce it. Help them see it. Matthew believed that there's two types of people. And he put his story right on the back end of two other people that were disconnected and were connected because it meant so much to him. And he wanted to pull other people into this. He's like, man, there's something about Jesus. And there's something about humanity. There's something about you that has been, un- has been under lock and key for a long time. There's a hidden potential. we lock eyes with Jesus who shows us not only how to be holy but he shows us how to be human it opens it up and it gets unleashed there's possibility when we meet Jesus the impossible does become possible the unseen becomes seen the inaudible becomes audible for the first time and you and I if you follow Jesus you're called to connect the disconnected you have a purpose you have a mission you do you not just us but you your vocation, saturated in the blood of Jesus. Your retirement, saturated in the blood of Jesus Christ. Your wandering, saturated in the blood of Jesus Christ. Your whole life. You have purpose to connect the disconnected. So, what do we do with it? one, I call this walking in 3D or living in 3D. It's natural for us. We've seen it in the last year and a half that, man, we need people in our life and people need you in their life, right? We're created and designed this way. Very simple, practical. Live in 3D. Develop friendships. Not with just the church, but those that are isolated from Jesus. Develop those friendships. It takes time, but engage in those conversations. Uh, I, I wasn't going to share this, but let's just go ahead and do it. Um, the last couple years, I've uh, been building a friendship with a guy at the gym and every now and then we'll, we'll, we'll get, I'll get to work out with him it's definitely an honor to work out with him because I, I tell you what this guy even though he he doesn't follow the Lord I think he really understands the concept of discipleship so if the Lord really got a hold of this guy woo-hoo, the church is going to explode um, it's amazing but uh, over the last two years just really been able to kind of been welcomed into the group of guys that work out at a particular time and 
I went in on Friday, and uh, he, one of the guys said, hey, um, his, his dad passed away just the other day. Um, I said, really? Yeah. I said, okay. So he, my friend walked across the room, and he yelled at me, you're late. I'm like, all right, I know, I'm sorry, my bad. And I went over to him, and he just started sharing. And the, it was almost as if the weights weren't in the room. He just was sharing. And he's a big dude, and he starts crying. And all I could do was listen, just be present, right? Develop friendships, because as you develop friendships, their heart opens up. So does yours. And uh, he, he mentioned churches, churches at 11, right? I said, yeah. I said, You're welcome anytime, man. You know that. I, I, I wanted him to be in here as my bodyguard. I think that would be pretty sweet. Develop friendships. <laughs> Folks, we need to develop friendships. Again, people that were nothing like Jesus gravitated towards him. And, and Jesus gravitated toward people that were nothing like him. He liked them. He loved them. He hung out with them. People are not projects. They're priority, right? People aren't projects. They're priority. And so, offer that up in your life. And you discover their story. He, he told me his story. He told me his story about his dad. A lot of stories about his dad. It was, it was, it was amazing. And then you, you discern. This is living in 3D. Galatians chapter 5, Paul says, live in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. As you're developing friendships with people, um, you just, Lord, where's the open door here? What do I do? Living in 3D. But folks, there's more than that. We've got to be invitational. You have to be invitational. The single most effective way for your impact as a church to grow is to be invitational. Now, you're probably thinking, yeah, invite them to church. Nope. Invite people into your life. Invite them into your life. Matthew invited Jesus into his life and then invited his friends into Jesus' life. Invite them into your life. And invite them into your life, into what you're already doing. There's football on today. I'm really excited. Well, actually, the Bengals already won. Woohoo! Uh, but I'm really excited because I get to enjoy it a little bit. You're going to watch football. You're going to have a party. You're going to do whatever. Invite people into what you're already doing, wherever you're going. Just invite them in. Man, I, I'm, I'm going up to Sam's. Would you mind coming with me? Sure. All right. Good deal. Just invite them into what you're already doing. But we need to develop an invitational culture within our own life. And it's very simple. Mark Coulter from the Valley Church in Troy, I heard him speak on Tuesday at Big Day on our district. And he talked about being invitational. And I've always wanted to wrap my head around it, and he put it so well. It's like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for for like three years. Here it is. He said, here it is. Ask people to come to church with me. Come to church with me. Over the course of the last several months, we've been putting little invitations on your seat for big days that we're going to do. You will see one coming soon to the harvest dinner. Right? This is the come eat with me, but come to church with me. And if they said they're coming to church with you, Text them. Hey, it's Sunday morning. Come to church with me, right? And if they're, if they're coming, wait for them. Wait for them. Go out in the parking lot. Hey, come to church with me. And then come sit with me. Folks, if you're here, I'm really glad that we are a friendly church. But in the Midwest, 
it's very clear that friendly churches aren't necessarily inviting. You might be friendly, but you might not be inviting. It's different in the South, Mark said. The South, they invite you, but they're not so friendly. We need to be inviting and friendly at the same time, right? So, you see somebody sitting by themselves. Go sit with them. Or, hey, we got a cool group over here. We're a little crazy. We're a little rowdy. We're the naughty side. Come sit with us. It'd be great. Yes, that's you, Fox Crew. (laughs) I love you. Come eat with me. Harvest dinner, but all of you are going out to eat sometime today or going home to eat sometime today, unless you are the only human in history who does not eat. I pity you if that is you. Come eat with me. Come to church with me. Come sit with me. Come eat with me. And come serve with me. Folks, there's something about serving together shoulder to shoulder. There are a lot of opportunities over the course of the year for you to do that as a body of Christ, or you can do that outside of the body of Christ. There are many of you that serve somewhere else in our community. Praise God. That's what we desire. That's how your salt, light, and yeast in your community. It's not just about the four walls and the things we do on Sundays or Wednesdays or through the week. It's about you being salt, light, and yeast out there. Go out there and serve. Find a place and then take somebody with you. Be invitational. Invite them into your life. And then say, come on over. We're not as weird as you think you are, or we are. And the ceilings won't collapse. The walls won't cave in. It'll be fine. Trust me. Lastly, I think a lot of us have a fear that we're supposed to be the closer. You know, in baseball, they have the closer, which the Reds have not really done very well all season. And essentially, since they didn't have closers, they forfeited postseason, man. But a closer in baseball is to close out the game, to win the game, right? A lot of us who are believers in Christ think, man, I'm not a closer. I don't know how to do this. Okay, we're supposed to pray like four spiritual laws. I don't know. Do you know the Lord's Prayer? You're talking to somebody who doesn't know anything about Jesus. They're not going to know the Lord's Prayer. They're not going to. We think that we're always supposed to play the closer to get them across the finish line. I want to free you today. You're not always supposed to be the closer in somebody's life. You're not always supposed to close out the game. No, more often than not, you're supposed to get them closer. Not necessarily be the closer. Make sense? Get them closer. It's like in football. Again, sports analogy. First down moves you closer to the end zone. Three yards moves you closer to the end zone. Some of us are put in people's lives to move them a bit closer to God. Matthew was not a closer at his party. He just connected the disconnected. He brought them closer. A little bit more mathematical for you. If you have an image of the cross up there, and to the left is negative, negative 50, negative 100, negative 25, and maybe you're meeting somebody who's so far from God. They have zero belief in Jesus Christ. They have zero belief that God even exists, and they meet you, and they interact with you, and you just You're Jesus all over. The Holy Spirit's oozing out of you, all of your crevices. And you know what? Because of your interaction with them and because you blessed them or whatever you did, you might have gotten them a little closer in their understanding and belief that, you know what? God actually is real. Or, you know, I've heard about Jesus, but I've never known anyone to live like him. And I just saw him in you. Closer. And as you move people closer, back to living in 3D, you discover their story, and you discern the next step. Lord, am I to be the closer here today? You're the harvester. 
I'm just planting seeds and you're allowing me to be a part of the harvest. I want to free you. We're to get people closer to the Lord. Those that are disconnected to reconnect. So, with all that said, be loved people. You're loved. Whether you believe it or not, whether you know it or not, loved if you know the Lord you definitely you know that the love of God has impacted your life in such a way that now you are to love other people to Jesus get them closer and maybe be the closer and develop them as they go disciple them you might be sitting here today and everything that I said kind of went through one ear out the other the Holy Spirit was speaking to you because you have felt disconnected you felt disconnected to your God to the Creator you felt like your whole life you're nothing like Him and He doesn't like you but I I just want to say everybody in the scriptures that were nothing like Jesus here's the irony they're a lot more like Him than they think they are why? Because he created you. The divine fingerprints are all over you. You are made in his image, in his likeness. You are made to long for him and to love him and for him to love you. So you might be thinking, ah, I'm not like him at all and he doesn't like me at all more like him than you think you are and you're more loved than you ever thought you were and today the Holy Spirit's been talking in your life and you want to connect maybe for the first time this is that defining moment this is your time this is your moment to say Jesus I want you I want you in my life. So, he's there willing and ready to give you his life. To give you his mercy and his grace and his love. For you to belong to him. And to go with him. To be with him. To connect with him on the daily that's you we're going to pray and hopefully this might be a closer moment in your life would you mind bowing your heads if that's you that you just want to get closer to God and you have been so far You're at the end line and you got 99 yards to go. Maybe today you'll be at that end zone. I just challenge you to pray along with me, sincerely in your heart. This prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but it's the intent of your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. Go ahead. Tell him. Give it over. Jesus, I give you my life. I give it to you. After so many years, I've tried to do it all on my own. This is where I am. So, whatever it is, I give it to you. I ask that you forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. I ask that you come into my life. I give you my life that you may come into my life. If you prayed that, if you asked Jesus to come in for the first time, he's there. He 
is in your heart. You've been forgiven. You believe that he is the son of God. The resurrected Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. He's in your life. Man, it's the most dangerous decision that you've ever made, but that's also the most glorious decision you've ever made. Thank you, Jesus, for for us, for as the church, that when we gave you our lives, you gave us purpose and meaning. You gave us hope. You gave us grace. You gave us mercy. You gave us forgiveness of sins. You gave us your presence that we may walk with you, that we may be connected to you. I thank you, Jesus, that we are no longer disconnected. You provided a way through your cross to be connected to God Almighty. That is glorious. That is awesome. And so your church, your church has a mission. We're to go out. We're to, we're to, we're to not only gather, but we're to scatter and take the kingdom of God and your presence with us wherever we go. Lord, help us be intentional to develop friendships. Discover people's stories. And discern those next steps, whether or not we should offer Jesus to them. But in the meantime, may we be so willing to invite them into our life that they may invite us into theirs. And Lord, help this church, this body of Christ, and whatever church folk is listening online, to be brave and willing to live an invitational life, to invite people to come with them to church, to sit with them in the pew or the chair, to eat with them, to identify with them, to serve with them, and hopefully one day with you. Jesus, I love you. I thank you. May this church be fruitful. May these individuals in this church be fruitful in their life. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Will the connected and disconnected please stand? It's almost like a wedding. (laughs) No one's getting hitched. Folks, be love people loving people to Jesus Christ today, tomorrow, and the rest of your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.